My name is Sharzad Kiade. I'm a Gemini pescatarian, a mom of two wild little boys. I'm Susan Yara. I'm a mom of two also. This morning, I went to the bathroom alone. I woke up at five, put my boob in her mouth, and then she took a dump. Because that's what she uses me for. <laughs> that's what you're going to hear a lot of our stories and experiences in our crazy journeys to motherhood. It's fam for all moms, not for all dads, not fathers and moms, for all moms. It's going to be a good old time. You guys are going to want to stick around. Promise. So subscribe. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Musafir Stories, India's very own travel podcast where each week we discuss the story of travelers in their own words and relive their experiences with you, our listeners. Welcome to an all new episode on the Musafir Stories. Saif and I would like to wish you a very, very happy Deepavali. May there be light and color in all our lives. Not long ago, we covered a great episode with Raja Dubhaikar. It was about traveling in India on trucks. It's episode 61 for anybody who wants to go back and listen to it. Now, we are so happy to announce that Rajat has published a book based on his travels. It's called Truck Day India. As a token of appreciation, we are giving away a free copy of Rajat's book to one lucky winner. Please check out this episode's show notes or head over to our social media page. All you have to do is answer two simple questions based on Rajat's episode and write back to us. Our email is themusafirstories at gmail.com. One lucky winner will be announced in the next episode. So you have two weeks, guys. Good luck. A few more announcements before we begin with today's episode. A big shout out to our listeners who took time and who wrote to us. Anushka, Arjun and Kishore Gupta. Thanks a ton for your support. It's all that we need. Now, lastly, as promised, we have the winner or the winners of the Get Featured on the Musafir Story Contest. Congratulations, Tarun and Sangeeta. We will reach out to you and schedule a recording session really soon. So finally, with today's episode, we take you to a hidden and an often overlooked gem of the northeastern state of India with the nomadic thunker Elita. So with that introduction, I'd like to welcome Elita, a facilitator and a blogger to the Musafir Stories. Elita, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast and welcome. Welcome, Elita. Thank you so much for having me. This is this is an incredible pleasure. Thank yeah. you. I think um, I, uh, just a little bit of a context to the listeners, uh, I had the good fortune of being a part of one of um, Elita's workshops. Um, and um, yeah, I'm lucky to have been a part of that. And uh, since then, I'd, it had been on my mind to have you on the podcast and uh, really glad to have you today. Uh, but why don't we kick this off by um, Elita, you giving us a little bit of a background about uh, both your workshops uh, that you facilitate and uh, your blog as well. Yes, I've been blogging under the pseudonym of Nomadic Thunker for a few years now. And uh, I've had an affinity for writing and blogging, but I think it got real shape only because of travel. And this was also a little later after getting into travel. I uh-huh. traveled solo for the first time in 2012, but I actually put up a blog about travel only in late 2013, which was after I got back from Ladakh. 
that experience of like shaping uh, and building up that identity uh, and having a blog which is now a website and this identity called nomadic thunker is also what has been the inspiration behind the workshops that i do so yeah i was going to ask you yeah uh, the workshops are called be you for you these are expressive writing workshops and yeah please tell us yes. a little bit more about that and um, uh, to our listeners also alita yes like you've already said be you for you is the other workshops that i do these are workshops on expressive writing and expressive writing is different from creative writing uh, the way i like to like put it very succinctly is that expressive writing is step 0 to creative writing or any other mm-hmm. form of sort of professional writing or audience related writing that one might be required to do and what i mean by that is sometimes we just need to like flesh out ideas put put a dump of thoughts on paper um sometimes just work through like emotional funk and like get it out of the way because it's like too much of like pressure on cognitive abilities to like process <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think very very uh, well put and a very very useful workshop also i think uh, the, the best thing i could say about the workshop is you have to go be a part of these workshops to kind of understand uh, the things kind of things you get out of it yeah uh, and i remember saif attending the workshop and he came back and he was raving about it <laughs> and then when i read your blog a few days back i have to tell you that it was amazing it was i had that mixed feeling of um connect when i could feel that a person is telling me their part of their story of their travel and i had the feeling that i have traveled there myself so it was a mixed feeling when i was reading your blog through so i think it comes through your writing is perfect yeah, yeah. that's come through in the blog as well and uh, uh, yeah uh, for for um, those of us who were uh, getting a little curious about uh, uh, the, the travel writing you do and um, also the travel stories that we'd like to share with them <laughs> so just wanted to ask you where you're taking us and our listeners to today elita yes i am going to be sharing about manipur today mm-hmm. oh nice huh northeast india has a, a very fond and uh, fascinating place uh, in my heart so i will be sharing uh, my experiences of uh, having traveled to the state this was in early 2017 this was jan 2017 in fact mm-hmm. and um, i had on my agenda that i wanted to sort of visit and travel northeast india before i began thinking of other countries you know beyond mm-hmm. the borders of my country so and and the northeast was a place that had since forever been on my back burner i spent around 4 days in manipur mm-hmm. and a little background to this is that uh, manipur almost didn't happen like that that plan to get to the state almost didn't materialize because since october of 2016 which is about 4 months 3 months before I managed to make the trip happen. Mm-hmm. Uh the state had been through an economic blockade. So there were bans pretty much throughout the entire state and that meant that there was as good as no transport. That meant that most of the shops were shut. That meant that the atmosphere itself was uh kind of tense. So I was already in uh, tripura previously so what i got lucky with while i was planning my northeast bit that time in 2017 was that um i had managed to bag like relatively cheap flights to three states so mm-hmm. that that included tripura 
Manipur and Mizoram. I flew from Agartala into Imphal, which also meant that I was uh, putting myself at a lower risk of, you know, coming across any Bund-like situations if I was traveling by road. Once we got off, I was traveling with a friend. So once we got off was when the sort of enormity of what the like ground reality was hit mm-hmm. me because all around me, I could just see army personnel. And uh, just to like give a little bit of a context about that, right? Uh, uh, the army presence that you're telling that also has been, I think, one of the things that has been uh, ever so frequently on and off in Manipur, right? Because there has been a lot of uh, ethnic strife. Then there's also been uh, uh, call for a separate uh, state uh, mm-hmm, at, at mm-hmm. times also. So because of that is what uh, you see. That that is why you see a lot of uh, army presence in the this one because a lot of uh, insurgent groups are also a part of. Um, uh, groups that operate within the political spectrum of Manipur, right? That is one of yeah. the reasons why uh, a lot of folks, I think, have these second thoughts about uh, is mm. is it okay? Uh, should I go there or should I skip uh, Manipur, right? So that's one of the reasons and uh, I think it's a great decision that you took. And you said uh, about four days is the time you spent there, right, Arita? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. As you said, it's maybe not enough, but uh, about... Uh, say four to five days might be good enough time you think to visit the important spots within Manipur you feel in terms of like duration I would say keep a minimum of four days uh, if someone's like on a really tight uh, schedule because it's healthy and it's I think also commonsensical to keep in mind that maybe maybe you might encounter a a day-long month you know while you're there so if you're getting into Manipur with, with like a strict two-day timeline and because you want to also go to Nagaland or you want to go to Assam because you're already in the Northeast and you're reserving like just two days to explore perhaps only Imphal and get out or, or maybe like your health gives way, right? So it just helps to have that buffer, but just in general to be able to like soak in a place for the way it is, a minimum of four days is definitely a, a requirement a basic requirement okay so uh yeah as you say a buffer day for any travel for that matter a buffer day is always um advisable and uh now you used imphal as your base and um tra- tra- traveled from here so i used imphal as my base and uh just one more like point i'd like to add about connectivity is that uh most of the places irrespective of how well known it is to someone who's from the main like from mainland India are relatively easier and well connected from Guwahati. So even if someone is making Guwahati their base and you can explore traveling by road, um, and there are multiple options. So there are buses, there are you know shared taxis, and you know so that there's a whole gamut of those options also available. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying this particularly say for someone who is. Uh, keen on roughing it out or is traveling on budget i got lucky with flight tickets but i don't know whether that's going to be a possibility any other time so if someone wants to keep their like manage it on 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 the budget side and is willing to travel by road then that option exists train wise silchar in assam is sort of the southernmost like rail head that is possible and again silchar is very well connected to kohati um another option is dibrugarh but that's a little too far away so these are again i'm saying possibilities that one can explore especially if they are looking at a budget travel but if someone has no restraints on 
the financial side and wants to make the most of limited time then for sure flights are an option okay so so starting off with the itineraries in itself right um, uh, tell us where you headed out first once you were in uh, once you were in imphal and then you <laughs> not acclimatized really but uh, once you were settled in <laughs> yeah. uh, where do you head off to first so uh, the moment we landed and of course like i i was talking about that intimidating scenario with a lot of like army presence we realized that the sort of taxi system at the airport uh, had like exorbitant prices as is sort of the case with most airports so what we did was we approached uh, one of the crpf jawans and just asked them like what is an alternative way to like you know find our way out of the airport to imphal city and it was they who suggested that the option of shared autos exist and again i bring this up because there is again like this perception that exists around folks from the army and about how villainous they can be but uh, yeah we sort of just walked up to them and just general sort of tourist based tra- traveler transport kind of question and they were very forthcoming and they're like yeah don't go by the taxi auto system inside the airport it is going to be expensive uh, just head out cross the road you will find the shared uh, rickshaws there and you can hop into one which is exactly what we did and i think we traveled at like one tenth of the cost we otherwise might have ended up spending so got in got to imphal city uh found our way to the hotel we were staying at which was sort of close to the local police station there which gave us a little bit of comfort just given the kind of environment the environment we were in and we sort of dumped our bags and then just decided to sort of walk down to the women's market which is ima kaital or uh, khairam band bazaar okay. which is so ima is uh, manipuri for mother okay and so this is mother's market or women's market and what makes it special is that this is an entire market run purely and solely by women uh, so there is no male figure uh, operating or selling anything there the only men you will see at this market are men who have come there to purchase something there aren't any males so we're not banned from there right <laughs> you're not banned from there you're absolutely not banned from there um and it's it's such a different environment to be in because you know your typical market like vibe is is one that's tends to be like supremely aggressive like everyone shouting on top of their voices ensuring that you know the customer or the client sort of comes to theirs and they pick stuff up from them and there's this whole thing of don't take my you know customer away here there was like a complete like absence of any of this you know shouting on top of each other's voice people like the women were like very comfortable with where they were when a buyer came to them they had the conversation with them the exchange would take place and and things just move so smoothly mm-hmm. and of course we were very obvious to everyone there because we clearly stood out as outsiders uh, but at no point um, was there a sense of questioning who we were in an interrogative manner it was more from uh, a space of curiosity you know it was all smiles from there we didn't like there weren't too many of them who spoke hindi that well so it was it was a very different kind of communication because there was there were a lot of smiles exchanged there was uh, a lot of like charades and you know a lot of like hand movement and things like that to just sort of communicate and talk uh, some spoke hindi and so they would get a little extra chatty with us uh, asking us how long we were staying so it was 
instantly a very welcoming experience and that's why i sort of gone i've gone into like a little bit of detail of what it looks like because and uh, in just out of uh, curiosity like uh, what are the things one can buy here or uh, what are the things that people sell here so everything from like your vegetables to fish uh, fruits flowers household items be it your utensils Uh, cleaning equipment you know household stuff things you need for even your uh, ceremonial purposes or you know related to puja so whether it's your agarbatti and your candle so literally everything under the sun one of the things that even i saw was that uh, this is perhaps one of the oldest market across the world that is not even just yeah. india uh, that has been run and managed by uh, women only right mm-hmm. uh, so that way also it's very very kind of impressive right uh, by the way it's been run and uh, especially like as you said again this is uh, uh, just the mindset of some of us um, folks from the cities that uh, these places might be a little backward and um, misogynistic and all that stuff but here you have a living example of a market that's been completely uh, managed and operated by women so that speaks volumes i think of uh, of of uh, how independent they are and also <laughs> volumes about uh, the kind of misinformation and uh, or lack of information there is about the place uh, which is why again uh, i keep repeating this i wanted to bring this out uh, through you through the podcast to the listeners as to uh, what places like manipur mm-hmm. have to offer so did you do some shopping here while while you were at the market because this was like the first day itself and a lot of what i was seeing around me was just uh, mostly like food items i don't know whether this is a selective way of like looking at things that are of <laughs> importance to me but uh, yeah so we i just ended up picking up a lot of like edible stuff uh, which i just prefer to like consume right away while i'm there rather than stacking up on like you know like your chips and stuff which are anyway coming from elsewhere and also aren't healthy and and some of these women were so like they warmed up to us so much that they just voluntarily started offering us fruits <laughs> like you know someone offered us apples someone offered us something else it was it was just yeah i think this was like such a beautiful welcome i had forgotten that you know we just walked through a sea of army personnel at the airport because honestly that was like the beginning and the end of any any kind of like tension or intimidation that i experienced in manipur because the remainder of my time was just filled with experiences like the one i had at the women's market um but yeah we we, we just ended up picking up uh, like stuff to eat because food is priority <laughs> that's brilliant that's brilliant um so yeah i think uh, this is uh, also a welcome window and also a great way of kind of not really breaking the ice but kind of getting familiar with the surroundings right uh, i think it's a great way of doing that too uh, so after having spent some time here uh, what was next on your list alita day 1 was just essentially uh, getting familiar with imphal since yes that was our base while we were there in manipur and also uh, trying to just figure out which of the other places that i had in mind were even doable given the reality you know of how things were the economic blockade had been already on for like four months so things were still tense there was some de- like some degrees of relaxation uh, but there was also like it it wasn't completely not there so on day 2 we made our way to the indo myanmar border so more is the sort of indian town on the border and tamu is the myanmar town right. on the other side of the border and uh, 
this place again has a lot of like cultural historical significance and i have to be honest i knew nothing about this until i uh, reached manipur uh, or was making my sort of plan to reach manipur and then someone else mentioned it to me and it was just fascinating how little one ends up knowing about it until say you're like you know drawing up an itinerary or like you know trying to get to know a place better so i i do consider travel to be like the biggest uh, enabler of like shooing away any and every kind and form of ignorance so uh, i i knew i knew about more uh, more was a little more than 100 kilometers away from imphal a private taxi was just not working out and even for the ones that were it was proving to be supremely mm-hmm. expensive so i ditched that idea and then someone somehow mentioned to us that there are shared taxis that fly between imphal and more and i was like i am taking this now these shared taxis operate like super early in the morning so that's and by super early i mean like at 4 4:30 am um and so we were on the streets literally like looking out for like what might resemble a shared taxi we found one managed to like negotiate the price i don't remember exactly how much we paid but i think it was around 500 or something um and and we were returning back the same day so i didn't intend on staying at more i just wanted to get to there see it spend a few hours maybe and then come back and the same um shared taxi driver was going to come back any which way so that just made things a mm-hmm. lot easier we took off in the morning we found like once you we were in it we were like okay this is this is going to be interesting um we had two army sort of checkpoints until we got to more and both were both have like served as uh anecdotal points for me because so throughout that bit where we until we arrived at the first checkpoint we barely saw anyone on the streets yes it was like 4:35 in the morning but even in general like there was no one out there but the view mm-hmm. was gorgeous except that we couldn't take photographs so you know av was zooming in a shared taxi and just not knowing whether it's the right thing to do so we just like tried not giving into the urge <laughs> of like yeah doing the wrong thing even even if unintentionally so it was just amazing like the sun was just rising and you know the crispness of the morning the dew sort of fading away so it was like just i was just like glued to the window like my sleep i barely slept like we slept a little late that night and by 4:30 we were already out on the streets but i was like i i was not sleep deprived uh we arrived at our first checkpoint and suddenly it was like there was like a whole tense environment so each one of us like there were about three or four other mm-hmm. co-passengers with us these were all locals getting from imphal to more either to they lived in more or they were going to purchase something from the market there or going to sort of send stuff to the market there so we had like other co-passengers with us and at the first army checkpoint we all were required to get down and army officers reached out to like individually sort of began speaking to every one of us we were asked for our id proof and so when it came to me and my friend uh not that our face hadn't given it away but then clearly we were like we were not from the state we were outsiders um and so this this can go either way right like sometimes it just means more questions but then uh what i've seen work is if you're not acting extra smart um and you just like you know abide by the protocol things work out really smoothly and sometimes you're left with a little surprise so what happened in my case was uh i showed my id proof so they saw the address they realized you're from bombay so they the sort of standard questions are why are you here mm-hmm. how long are you here for uh how did you come to know about this place why are you going to more because even for them to see tourists go to more was a little like right. mm-hmm. skepticalish 
So they're like, how did you come to know about it? Why are you keen on going there? It's just another market. So, you know, I had to play it very cool because they weren't intending on triggering me. They were just like Mm -hmm. extra curious. So I just like played along and like responded to their questions. And then um, one of the army officers asked me, uh, if I knew Marathi. Um, <laughs> okay. and so I was like, yes, I do. And then within seconds, we were like, I'm miles away from home and I'm chatting with an army officer in Marathi <laughs> in Manipur. Oh, nice. Yeah. You know, like immediately like tension in the air has like broken. Um, and, and like, you know, you like, and, and by this, I mean, it's such a visual thing, right? Like all throughout these army personnel had like super serious faces, like, you know, no emotion, absolutely expressionless and then the moment we start chatting like again like you know just like small talk conversation in marathi like there's a smile you know the eyes lighten up a bit the, the, the like you know the lips sort of curve up and you can see like there's an immediate like thaw of any kind of like tension that was there earlier so what i did was i seized the moment and then i sort of asked for permission if he could take photos uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and they and, and they obliged you know they obliged but they also told us like you can take only this side and you can't take that side because those are like army areas. So obviously for like reasons of security, uh, you're not allowed to. And that's completely fine. And which is why I'm like, I always say like, you know, ask for permission and see what happens. Like there's no need to like get into daredevilry that is not required because it can get you into serious trouble. And uh, also, uh, Elita, I think I forgot asking this at the beginning of the conversation, but uh, does Manipur require an ILP and an NLI permit or is it not one of these? It does does not. not, Yeah, yeah, so I was just... It does not. It does not. Uh, Mizoram, Arunachal and Nagaland are the three states of Northeast India that require you to uh, obtain an inner line permit. Uh, Manipur does not need you to get an inner line permit. Okay, 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 cool. Yeah, carry on, carry on, please. Yeah, which is why they just asked us for our like ID proof. Uh, anywhere else in like, so when it was either Arunachal or Nagaland or uh, Mizoram, we didn't need to like show any other ID proof if we had our uh, ILP, the inner line permit on us. So which is why in, in Manipur, it was, you need to have a government recognized ID proof, a photo ID proof on you. And uh, that's all it sort of requires. So um, then we had another checkpoint and um, this was a little more like structured and formal. So they, they had like, play, like you walk through a metal scanner and then there's, there are female guards that inspect female uh, sort of females who are crossing that section. And then there are uh, male um, army personnel checking in on males who are passing in. So we sort of walked through that, bags were scanned, ID proofs were shown again. Um, and so, and then you, we also had to like walk a bit, like, so perhaps like 200 meters, but like, so the vehicle goes separately, but you walk that stretch separately. So you don't get to sit back into the, uh, Jeep or the, the taxi, uh, right after mm. you're checked. So we walked that bit. And on the other end, uh, there were again, two army, uh, personnel who again were curious with our presence in that part of the country. And so a similar conversation played out. In Marathi again? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. So it started off in Hindi. It started off. So this one, this one was a Hindi conversation. Uh, so, and then they also like, you know, got a little chatty, which was interesting because then they were talking about how previously they were posted somewhere in right. Himachal and, you know, just like, you know, talking about stuff like that. And then, um, 
the regular question like what do you do are you a student and i'm like no i'm working acha what do you do so i was like i'm a writer i write about places i travel to um and again you know that sort of opened up like another like window to the conversation and they're like oh so what will you write about this place and so i i said i'll 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 write about like the people i'm meeting these conversations that i'm having exactly like the one i'm having with you um and and whatever else i get to see at the border there because i'm very curious i've only heard about it from other people and something about that i don't know trigger like i don't know warm them up a little bit more and they just fished out like two chocolates <laughs> uh and and then gave it to the two of us and they're like you know oh that's good that's good i hope you have a great trip uh, and i hope you like what you see at the border uh, do write about it do write about us also and don't forget us and Maybe it was a little bit of a bribe also to write uh, about them. <laughs> I'm just joking. I mean, uh, it, if it if it works, if it works, I, like you know, like if this if this is an experience that I like, you know, which if I share, which I and I have shared, and talking about it, like just allows for people to look at scenarios and circumstances and people through more than one lens. Then I am more than happy to sort of you know talk about these experiences, write about these experiences. because yeah we tend to get caught up in our biases and prejudices um and our lack of information yeah, right so absolutely and that uh, is also uh, i mean i'm sorry to it is like but i think it has also uh, we look at them as army personnel only right and we sometimes fail to look at them through the eyes that they're also humans they're also people who are living away from their homes like yeah. miles and miles away from their exactly. homes and uh, uh, some of these questions they ask also i mean obviously it's a part of the protocol and everything but sometimes even they are curious they haven't had a chance to like in your case speak with someone in marathi maybe for a while right so things like that also is something yeah. so you don't have to like uh, have a knee jerk reaction to um, such questions just like you said play along cool and uh, be a part of the conversation uh, sometimes you might end up having uh, conversations that you'll treasure for a long time like in your case right absolutely space so yeah i mean we 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 had our uh, little chocolates handed to us and with that we were done with like the last bit of the stopover and um, we had reached the border we had reached more by 10 10 am um so it had, it took us about like 4 hours 4 4 and a half hours with all these stopovers and things like that and uh, yeah so we didn't know what to yeah, expect yeah so what is it i mean what does more have from a visitor's point of view so there's i mean it's it's a border okay. town uh-huh. right so uh, there's there isn't uh, necessarily like a point of interest but it's it's a border town that uh, has like a lot of this historical and cultural significance that i mentioned right. earlier because um it's 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 been one of the more legit and recognized uh, entry exit points between india and myanmar like the fact that one can drive from india all the way to thailand like there's a road that exists now that is accessible that sort of got a little viral uh, across across the internet i think about 2 or 3 years ago so more is that point from where you know you begin from india and then you get to myanmar and then you get to yeah, i think it's also seen as the like as you said it's seen as that easternmost frontier of india uh, yeah. which connects india to the rest of uh, south and southeast asia right so that way also it's in yes. one way significant and yeah obviously being a border town and opening up to the rest of southeast asia this also happens to be um uh, sort of a trading hub i mean not a big commercial hub like yeah, mumbai yeah, yeah. obviously but uh, a trading hub in, uh, of sorts right so I think that's um that's something of significance also 
it is it is and also i think given the background and history of myanmar uh, and you know all the political shifts that have been taking place over the past few years going from military coup to democracy and all of that more and tamu in that sense have like the have sort of borne the effect or the impact of that so yeah i mean i i really didn't know what to expect i just heard about it and everyone i mean everyone as an i've spoken to two other people who <laughs> mentioned it to me and they had just said that you have to go to more if you are in imphal and so i we arrived there but we were again hungry because we don't had breakfast so we first grabbed breakfast and then walked towards the border um, so it was just army personnel on this side and army personnel on the other end we just showed them our government approved id proofs and we were allowed to sort of get to the other side and again i was just curious whether we could take right, photographs right. because again it, i didn't know the degree of sensitivity involved i didn't know like you know what is the protocol and so one personnel said it was not allowed and forbidden and someone else said that yes you could and so i was just <laughs> very conflicted because i didn't know which way this was going to end up playing for me uh, i just kept it low key um, i just put my camera aside and i was like i don't want this to like get any get me into any extra attention than i need and require i just want to absorb and soak and see what this place is about and so we walked through it's a market you know i mean if i have to put it in very plain speak language it's a market it's a wholesale market everything under the sun is mm-hmm. available indian traders get to bring their stuff here and sort of make that exchange and so goods and supplies that are needed in myanmar are then made available anything that needs to get from myanmar to india is sort of crossed over so that's sort of the primary thing but it it gave me a little bit of a flavor of myanmar at the right. border itself and i always find that the most fascinating part about border towns is that how immediately you are transported into a culture that is so different right. from yours um i have experienced this at uh, the indo bhutan border uh, at new ja- new jaigaon and funsholing um and i had a similar experience uh, even here because you know one moment here in india so it's like noisy and people are everywhere and of course there are you know uh pans things everywhere and all of that <laughs> and and you like literally just walk you know like you just like waltzed into and you've gone to the other side and it's different like there are there are uh, people with sandalwood paste on their cheeks suddenly hindi is not a language anyone is speaking or even remotely recognizing facial features are different clothing is different the food that is uh, you know visible especially uh, food yeah, that is about that i've been waiting to ask you um have you our uh, i mean uh, was that a little bit of a challenge i know language you said was a little bit of a barrier uh, even even manipur for that matter right so how was the food scene so here at more uh, and once we got to tamu so in tamu we got a bit of a taste of food in myanmar but not like not high end stuff like just your regular street food kind of food unfortunately for me i couldn't get the i wasn't able to articulate or express the question because the language was a barrier so i couldn't like no right. no amount of like asking them what the name of that particular dish was <laughs> got me any answers so i just came back with pictures of the food but there were like little so these were like mini pancake or like 
those mini idlis that we have like so on those mm-hmm. uh, they had like a little liquidy preparation that they would pour and then that would be uh, heated and then fried and then served with like some chutney and there was no way of me just being able to gauge what it's called i came back and tried to google it by like putting in all the ways in which i could describe it but i haven't come across the name yet <laughs> and how much how much time did you uh, spend here like uh, you were planning on returning back on the same day you said right yeah so uh, before we got off our taxi the shared taxi that we had come in the driver told us that try and be here like at least by 2 because it we needed to get back to imphal before it got dark Right, right. Uh, this was again just in keeping with the protocol of you know just how the whole bundle-like situation was in and around Imphal. It was just you know it's like better safe than sorry. So let's get back before it's dark and made complete sense. Uh, we of course because we weren't purchasing anything necessarily. Uh, we were like done by like twelve thirty one, and so we found our way back. Um, and so our driver was completely amused that we didn't really like shop. <laughs> um, and we're like we just came to see what it's like and it was about the experience and he's like no 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 people come and so and then we could see like some of the other folks had like purchased bought cycles and like a whole host of other things and it was just amazing uh like you know just that what that experience looked like and so with that we came back and so that was day 2 on day 3 uh we decided to go visit the loktak lake which is again um the largest freshwater lake in northeast india and is known for the floating so the fumdis there's there's not like a proper literal translation but they're called floating islands but that's again not a apt description for it they're like circularish land like natural formations that are seen floating over it and it just adds to the natural beauty of it yeah basically like weeds right uh, the the basically weeds and uh, other kind of plants that from islands on Land, the lake yeah, yeah yeah aquatic aquatic vegetation right. uh, which just makes it all look uh, really pretty uh, and gorgeous and how far away from uh, manipur was the uh, from empal empal was this um, i think about a 2 hour uh, journey okay. so what we had done was we uh, hopped into the local bus mm-hmm. uh, again found very easily at uh, manipur uh, up sorry at empal uh, market itself mm-hmm. and so again through lot of like sign language and uh, trying to like communicate to get people to tell us which bus would take us to uh, loktak finally found one uh, i have to add here uh, to the listeners is that don't if you if you're going the way we did which is using public transport ask for moirang or ask for centra uh, because centra because these are the like that's the place that's closest to the point where you can get off to view loktak lake now if you like us ask people that you want to get to loktak then it's a separate stop and it is actually a stop to a hydroelectric uh, power station mm. which is nowhere close to the the entry point uh, for lake the lake like so there's you you, you don't get to view it at all so we had to like then hop into another bus and then get to somewhere else and then eventually get back and uh, there's a little uh, visitor slash tourist uh, center that's been created on a slightly uphill area um and so you can just go in there and um, you know there's a little restaurant kind of cafe that serves like a few edible mm-hmm. stuff so your tea coffee and maybe like some light snacks so uh you you can just go there and you know make yourself comfortable and there are little like 
benches that are perched along the place that allow you to just sit and like gaze at the lake right in front mm, of you beautiful um which is yeah the best thing to do because uh, there are options to stay uh, on on loktak um and there are houseboats and there are many of these other like ways in which you can sort of be there but i honestly didn't know about that option um so we just made the most of like getting to look through loktak and uh, gazing at it and staring at it we were also uh waiting for the haze to sort of disappear because we could get a clearer view of it uh, also known as get to take <laughs> photographs but in terms of uh, like getting a proper view of the lake um i think uh, being on that flight from uh, agartala to imphal allowed us to get an aerial view oh, of okay. loktak lake which was by far the most stunning views i have ever had an opportunity to see from like an airplane ever you know so one of the interesting things about loktak is you um and this if i am not mistaken is the national animal of manipur is the sangai the sangai deer mm-hmm. um and so this deer had like because again of how it looks visually uh it seems like it's walking on water but then again because of the aquatic vegetation mm-hmm. this animal is like able to be so agile and like walk through it all that like if you're viewing it from the outside it looks like the deer the sangai deer is actually walking on water and so it took me back to actually a lesson that we had in school like when i was uh like i think either in the 8th or the 9th and that's how i like had vivid memories of like the sangai deer and sort of that made me want to like uh just like smile to myself because i was like i am finally in manipur and like you know it just brings back lessons that otherwise don't seem that relevant um and so the there's there is a national park i believe that one can uh visit and access uh there is also the sangai festival that is uh organized by the government of manipur so there's there's that so in in terms of uh natural beauty and like for someone who is like very keen on that side of things when they go to places then they should definitely consider exploring this alternative and spending more time at loktak yeah i believe i believe it's the uh, kebul lamjo <laughs> probably yes, butchering the yes, name but yes. that's the national park and it's uh, believed to be uh, a floating national park of sorts right because like you said it is on yes. a biomass of vegetation basically and uh, r- brown antlered deer I, i guess that's what you're referring to yeah yeah so it's locally called the sangai yeah yeah and also for someone like who's like you know earlier when we were talking about for folks who are uh, looking at a shorter trip and instead of trying to squeeze everything in you know i would i would perhaps recommend then just keep loktak as your base and explore that area because you know between experiencing the national park and like you know being just there at the lake itself and living on the lake if you can find uh that information for yourself because those those options do exist uh i think you'll still come back with a fairly like you know a, a well rounded experience that way it's good but what about you how much time did you spend at loktak i think we spent about 3 to 4 hours uh because um, it was also hmm. beginning to get hotter <laughs> so that 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 just ends up becoming the decider <laughs> of how long you end up spending because you're sitting outside and there's your not necessarily shade or you know any any place to take cover with so at some point it just begins to get hot um and uh, 
to be fair you, like there's only so much of the lake that you want to keep looking at because not much changes or shifts like in the morning when we got there we got to see like the local fisher folk getting on with their day casting their nets uh you know some of them exchanging things as they were on their boat so there was some of that activity to like just observe and watch from a distance uh which is which is fascinating which is interesting but at some point all of it sort of just you know uh fades into the background and it's just pure stillness uh which isn't too bad except that yeah the sun right. begins to get a little unbearable so and then um we made our way to the INA memorial complex which is uh, which is also at moirang right this place quite interestingly gave us a very good perspective on netaji subhashchandra bose mm-hmm. it gave us perspective on the locals who had fought during world war 2 yeah. uh, and so there were many of those micro stories uh, you know because there are memorials there are photos there are you know written documentation letters that were exchanged between different people uh some degree of like clothing some personal belongings that have all been like saved treasured uh and you know placed in this museum that i don't want to say refreshing but it's it's because in so many ways it's heartbreaking and i say heartbreaking because uh it just takes me back to how little our history books covered about these aspects yeah. of you know the country right. um and and i've experienced this more than once having like made more than one visit to the northeast because there's so much of a role that the indigenous communities of those states have played in thwarting the the, the advance of the japanese troops during world absolutely war. i think yeah it's a very little known fact i think that um, manipur and nagaland were uh, the only two states from india right that were uh, involved uh, in some way during the second world war and even before yeah. that uh, even against the british for that matter uh, these are some of the people who fought there even when the british tried to get here right? so there have been like um, anglo naga wars and then even the people of manipur yeah. have fought there and uh, uh, this specific piece about um, ina right the indian national army which is um, mm-hmm. founded by subhash chandra bose uh, netaji subhash chandra bose like you mentioning that also has a very significant part to uh, play in uh, in one way in the freedom struggle of india right because it was uh, in one uh, i think in a certain way that made um, our freedom struggle a little more uh, it gave a political context to it even though he wasn't successful uh, eventually but uh, mm. uh, in some way it brought up uh, the cause of indian independence to on the international stage is what i feel so uh, and uh, like you mentioned it's a very uh, once a conflicting but like a curious point right uh, here we have on one side um, so some of the indian um, soldiers fighting on the side of the british and then there's netaji subhash chandra bose uh, who's fighting with the japanese right in the second world war so mm. we're part of yeah. the same country yeah. we're but we are on two separate sides in one way right Different and sides. Um, but yeah, again yeah. it also like uh, going back to my earlier point that uh, um, his mission was the same it was uh, to bring up the indian freedom struggle uh, at an international stage and i think uh, that uh, did achieve eventually achieve its um, 
aim of uh, bringing out and uh, it was not long after this that the Britishers left here also right so that way also it's an important Absolutely. place I guess right the INA complex and there's also a few other uh, uh, memorials I read uh, the World War II memorials mm-hmm. right that are in this place so yeah. uh, again yeah. a little bit of history and very significant history that uh, a lot of our uh, uh, yeah, a lot of our history books do not cover like who would have known I uh, growing up I, I don't know I probably was reading the wrong books or whatever but I never knew that uh, Nagaland and Manipur had some part to play in the uh, second world war for example so it just gets uh, doesn't get enough mainstream focus right you know it's it's heartbreaking because just because of all the conversations that you know somehow end up taking place about how we've alienated mm. northeast you know in in terms of just because of where it's located geographically away from the rest of the mainland that has also sort of robbed us of the role the contribution uh, the richness the diversity of that that part mm. of the country as well absolutely right. yeah uh, like you said very significant bit of history there also um, and this is on the way back that you made the stop right so uh, after this did you just head back to imphal Alita? Yeah, so uh, we decided to sort of take the bus back, but uh, there was some uh, delay with the buses and uh, so again, another interesting anecdote, because we were standing at the bus stop and there was a lady approaching us and she also stood at the bus stop. She was a local on mm-hmm. her way to Imphal and it was she who broke the ice. So she sw- smiled at us and she spoke Hindi so that made things <laughs> a lot easier for us. So she uh, she was insistent that we eat at this local rest uh, local hotel which served very typical Manipuri dishes which without having asked her she was sure that our hotel wasn't going to serve us which she was right about because you get a lot of generic North right, Indian right. food when you're staying at a hotel um, and so she was very keen that we go and eat uh, at this restaurant so she ushered us in there now what had happened was by the time we got to that hotel it that restaurant. It was around two in the afternoon, which means that it was way past the sort of typical lunchtime. So they were shutting down. She went into the kitchen and spoke to sort of, I don't know, the person who sort of manages it there and said that, listen, there are these two girls. They're not from here. It's their last day. Uh, they should really eat the food from here. So they understand what Manipuri food is. They've been eating hotel ka food, which is not worth it. Uh, she managed to convince them. Um, and so some of the dishes uh, they had sort of run out of because it's a really popular place. So they they said that, you know, see, all the dishes won't be available. She's like, it's okay, whatever you have, just serve them, let them eat. They're also hungry. And so before we knew it, we had like <laughs> two big, massive thalis of authentic Manipuri food in front of us. I kid you not, it was so much. Uh, I had a really troublesome time trying to finish it because I don't like wasting food. And I was just thinking to myself all throughout, what if all the items were actually available? Like this is this is a thali where half the food items were over. Uh, I, I just don't know how I would have managed if all the food items were on it. But there's one vegetable that is pretty much like the staple, you know, and I'm, what, what I mean by staple is in, in the way mm-hmm. which potato, aloo is like so common in like most of like our dishes, right. whether it's North India or whether it's even in Western parts of the country. There's a vegetable that's called long cha. I don't know how to explain it, but it this is like a veg, like this is one thing that is very, it, it's a staple that is consumed in Manipur. And it's, it's also quite mm-hmm. core to Manipuri cuisine. 
मणिपुर ऑल्सो लाइक विथ मोस्ट ऑफ नॉर्थ ईस्ट कंज्यूम्स वॉट्स कॉल्ड स्टिकी राइट दैट इज ऑल्सो लाइक जस्ट अ डिफरेंट एक्सपीरियंस बिकॉज इट्स वाइल मोस्ट ऑफ इंडिया इज अ राइस कंज्यूमिंग कंट्री विथ नॉर्थ ईस्ट इज जस्ट दैट दिस type of rice and the way it's prepared is different yeah so like there are these bits uh, about the cuisine that sort of the food that typically stands out right and i think it was good that uh, at least uh, on your last day you had like a, a local take you to one of the authentic places and uh, have try this out right otherwise uh, you perhaps would have been yeah it was really sweet of her to like just be that insistent about right you know taking us there and uh, ensuring that we got a flavor of it and it was absolutely worth it because the food there is also priced quite reasonably yeah i think that's brilliant uh, and uh, so this is back in imphal now uh, was this your uh, last day or was the day after this the buffer day you had or did you have more things planned uh, for the next day so the day after this was my buffer day so it also turned out to be that that was january 26 so republic day oh okay. just generally being a national holiday as well as one that can sometimes be has a lot of like tension around it uh we chose to like play it low we couldn't go to uh, any other place uh like say the kangla fort in imphal uh, because it was shut that day that's so mm-hmm. the kangla fort is where the official flag hoisting and like the republic day sort of celebrations take place so it's closed to outsiders at other hours so we couldn't like get in and see it and also because i didn't want to just be sitting in my hotel room that day so uh, mm-hmm. we sort of just walked to the imphal war cemetery on the 26 uh, because it was it was it was open it's a public space so there wasn't mm-hmm. uh, any restriction as such on that front um and so that was what i did on the final day and then on the 27th was when we were leaving so flying out of imphal yeah <laughs> brilliant i think uh, you literally walked us through your uh, four days there in a yeah. very detailed fashion and uh, uh, i bet this is very useful for somebody who's planning a, a trip to manipur right so thank you so much for uh, drawing this out and uh, drawing this out in a detailed fashion and uh, uh, yeah there is there is obviously much much more to uh, manipur than this it's a culturally also very very rich place in terms of the history the kind of history that has uh, it has and uh, i did not know for a fact that uh, polo uh, yes. the, the sport uh, yes. was apparently uh, ha- it apparently has its uh, origins from manipur the britishers picked it up from manipur and uh, while they were here and um, obviously there's other uh, interesting places also like uh, i hear the zuku valley trek also it can be done from manipur or from nagaland being a border kind of a valley right yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. another thing that one can in- indulge in if you plan to more uh, long drawn itinerary uh, there's also a couple of uh, interesting caves that i read about uh, the thalon cave i guess that is um, so underground caves so uh, you could visit those and kangla fort you did mention mm-hmm. uh, was one of the places so there's a lot lot more to manipur as uh, what i'm trying to say and yeah. Uh, and yeah seriously you've given a clear picture about so many a lot of us hear about manipur in the news and stuff happening there yeah just there. the wrong type yeah. of news right the wrong here, type exactly yeah but this is like a different perspective altogether about what do you expect there as a traveler who's going there yeah, yeah. and if if somebody wants to know more about uh, say planning a itinerary to manipur or even just reading more about uh, your travel stories etc what's the best way to yeah reach share? out to you. and even about your creative writing expressive writing sorry Yeah 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 no problem the the best uh, way to reach out to me i'm most responsive over email 
uh, reach out to me uh, over email for any any inputs about manipur or anywhere in the northeast or anywhere else otherwise um, and as well as the same for the expressive writing workshops that i do at the more than happy to share any information that folks find in need relevant perfect we'll add all those links in our show notes section so that people can just go there and refer to it and thank you so much thank you this has been this has been amazing so glad thank you yeah we're really glad and uh, especially having uh, been a part of the workshop as i said i was waiting to hear stories your travel stories um, on the podcast and thank you for sharing this uh, with our listeners also elita thank you That was yet another great episode of The Bizarre Stories. If you guys like the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Audioboom, Savan, Pocket Casts, Castbox, Stitcher, or any other podcasting app available on iOS or Android. Please do leave us a review on iTunes. It goes a long way in the show's discoverability. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We go by the handle The Bizarre Stories. or if it suits you you could email us at themosafirstories@gmail.com or visit our website at www.themosafirstories.com for more information all of these links will be made available in the show notes section of each episode so here's to more traveling sharing and inspiring stay tuned for our next episode until then happy travels and goodbye At American University, we don't just hope for change, we create it. We don't just dream of a better world, we make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout DC to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at american.edu/gradschool.